0: is the Rams Review Podcast. (laughs) Discussion, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby County. The Rams Review Podcast is proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, where fans come fans.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Rams Review Podcast. It's Corey along with you, and I am joined, as always, by Jason. Jason, hello. Corey, how are we doing? Uh, happy yeah, not New too Year. Bad, not almost. too bad. Yeah, happy New Year to you as well. Um, thanks, you know, first time opening up the show. On a, on a on a dual one but alas jason we're not alone we've got a four-man booth with us today because it's myself and you to talk all things darby county but that wasn't enough because we want the devil bumper episode so we brought in returning to the pod andy buckley taylor andy how are we i'm great thanks happy new year happy new year to you and we've also brought in a new debutante to the podcast today it's andy ellis from the darby county collection andy how the heck are we
2: we're great, guys. Thank you very much for the welcome. Uh, happy New Year to you all, obviously. Uh, yeah, great to be to here well. and ho- hopefully it's just no- not a one-off.
1: Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. We want to definitely get a lot more Derby County voices involved in the new year. And, you know, it's it's 2022 um, and it's strange because well, hopefully 2022 is better than 2021 for Derby because let's be honest, 2021 was quite dire for a lot of different reasons. Um, but Jason, should we jump straight into the to the latest transfer news in this in this discussion before I mean, we, we we can? I was going to say, but we were uh,
3: just just before was coming on was thinking of all the topics, and then the, the club decide, as always, to drop something. But this time we caught it. It's normally after we record, <laughs> this time it's it's just before. Um, yeah, I mean, it's let's face it, it's not massive news, uh, but it kind of feels like
1: it was coming for a while.
3: Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I find it a little bit odd uh, that. Obviously it's it's David Marshall uh, to QPR for the rest. I believe it's a transfer to the end of the season, you know, for the rest of the season, he's he's now done at Derby, but you know, one of the reasons or one of the potentially the rumours coming out of the club, the fallout between him and Rooney was because he wanted to move back up North. Well, you can't get much further South than QPR really in the championship. So Corey, first of all, to you, I mean, I'm not surprised he's gone. Are are you surprised at the choice of club or do you think that's just uh he, he knew his days at Derby were out and it's only really the only the only team that's kind of sniffed around him but you can't see him going in there as as a number one choice as as we've mentioned on this podcast before QPR's number one is um the name escapes me. Um, Tony that's it. But you know, but he's way at yeah. Africa
1: Cup right now with Senegal ah. so I think what they wanted to do, they wanted to bring a veteran for a few weeks. And I think you're right, Jason. I think he probably ideally would have liked to have moved to Scotland um, and everything like that. But at the end of the day, if a club comes in for you and you want to get games, he had spoken on a a, a number of occasions that he wanted to kind of leave and the transfer kind of fell through and whatever. I mean, he played for the 23s last night. That's kind of telling you that he's not in the picture. Um, So, you know, not really surprised. Pleased that David Marshall, you know, can, can go get go somewhere and get games. I'm um, pleased that, you know, it's gonna kind of work out for all parties. He wasn't in the situation at Derby. It's it's wages off the wage bill. Um, there's probably I wouldn't, I don't know, I don't know the ins and outs, but I wouldn't think there'd be a fee for a six-month permanent transfer to QPR. Um, so all the best, all the best for him. Uh, I think probably his most fond memory at Derby will not be in a Derby shirt. It'll be in a Scotland shirt when he got chipped mm. from 50 yards at the Euros with Patrick Schick. But, you know, all the best to him. Um, and whatever, you know, 33, 33 games for Darby's pretty respectable, but he obviously wasn't getting a look in this year and with Scotland heading towards the playoffs. And then obviously the world cup uh, next winter, he's going to want to get some regular game time. So maybe he figures he goes down to QPR plays five or six, seven games while Sonny DeAng's in Africa. Um, and then you don't know what's going to happen. Does he get his spot back? You don't know with the COVID issues and things like that. So, um, you know, an opportunity for him to go get, you know, five or six, seven games under his belt there at QPR and put himself in a shop window. Um, Andy Ellis, I want to come to you mm. first about this, they, David Marshall. How would you sum up his Derby County career and 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 the news today?
2: Well, I think his best thing he's gone all round, not only for the player but for the club as well, because obviously he's taking up a space in the squad that we could utilise elsewhere. Uh, his wages are not going to be insignificant, uh, and but his time overall will probably be mixed. I would think um, he started off well. He's, good catch of crosses, et cetera. But at the same time, you picked up straight away that he's going to be remembered things like the Scotland game or the Blackburn home game from last season, where he just passed the ball to them at least twice and they scored from it very, very quickly. And that was game over for us there. Uh, So very much mixed. And then there was the debacle about the the forest game that he pulled out of that allegedly sparked, he's never played since type of uh, rumours. Given his age as well, I think he was, you know, he needed to move somewhere. And again, it might be, as Jason said, it might be they were the only club that's interest to him. Um, and, it, you know, it, we've got to get him off the book somewhere or other. Uh, we can't afford to sit on him not playing for the next six months. So I think it's best move all around.
1: Andy Buckley-Taylor, same same sentiments here?
4: Yeah, similar. I mean, when we first signed him, uh. I was quite uh, pleased about it. Um, I remember him from his time at Norwich City. He was, you know, he was outstanding for them. Um, Wigan fans uh, were sad to see him go. But uh, I look even further back when he was at Celtic and that blinder of a game he had against, was it Barcelona, when he, you know, single-handedly almost kept them out. I think his time as a Scotland goalkeeper, you know, barring that lob, um, I think he's uh, been a, you know, a, de- a decent keeper for them. In fact, going into that tournament, I think he was voted their best player. You know, during the qualifiers, um, he started well for us, but um, we were a struggling side. And you know, as it happens, um, when you're playing in the struggling side, goalkeepers make errors, and perhaps one or two more do creep in. I think some of our fans didn't uh, forgive him for the mistake he made against Forest. You know, you make a mistake against them and, uh, you know, uh, players are often never forgiven for them. But uh, I wish him well. And uh, as Andy said, uh, it's a a, a wage off the book. It's a squad place that's been freed up and uh, hopefully uh, Wayne Rooney can do something with what's become available.
1: And and Andy, that brings me to my next point, because there are some reported rumours of incomings. I know Rooney said he was potentially close at getting a new um, player in the book, and two names that have come up very recently. Um, one is Ahmed Diallo from Manchester United, the winger, and the other one is Ellis Sims of Everton, formerly of, of Blackpool. Um, Andy Ellis, I want to come to you. What do you make of Ellis Sims and Ahmed uh, Ahmed Diallo's uh, transfer links with Derby? There's surely got to be something in it. If I've seen the Diallo talk really pick up in the last couple of days, and the Athletic have been pretty bang on recently with with some of their things. What do you make What do you make about these?
2: It's interesting, isn't it? <clears throat> these are these are two guys who can't get a game at their respective clubs, who obviously Rooney has links to those two clubs as well. So you would think there's some some uh, motion involved with those rumours. We can't obviously take both of them, because they're probably in the same sort of position. And uh, it's, yeah, it's one or the other. Uh, but it also comes down to things like wages and um loan fees and things like that because we're not in the game of paying a loan fee we're not allowed to do that and the way structure has to fit within what the EFL guidelines so there's lots of things have to be in place before we can you know if if they're outside of that way structure then we can't do it if somebody if the parent club wants a loan fee we can't do it so it may be not them at all it may be uh, one of the other players that we've had previously has to come back that's um could fill a number of positions. That might not be everybody's popular choice, but for, say, Andre Wisdom, for example. Uh, I know he hasn't got a club. He's, he's probably been training somewhere throughout the last six months, but he can do a job for us at right back across the middle.
1: I think he uh, played holding midfield once for Derby as well. I think I was at the game and they stuck him in holding midfield for like a 20-minute spell.
2: Yeah, but well, he can get tackles in. He can run around. You know, um, he can do that job as well if we need him to. But it might be somebody like that who's who's not associated, who knows the club, can step in, he has been playing for them for the last four or five years. Uh, it's not going to cost a lot of money either. Again, it's just maybe to the end of the season. Maybe it's somebody like that can come in. Or maybe one one or the other, or both. You know, one of those two wingers or, and Wisdom as well can come in.
1: Yeah, for sure, Jason. I mean, Ahmed Diallo was purchased for a lot of money from Atalanta as a teenager from Manchester United, um, and, and granted, they have a lot of they have a plethora of, of options in wide areas and striking attackers, no less than obviously Cristiano Ronaldo and Jaden Sancho to to name two of them. Um, so it's not surprising he's not necessarily getting games. He was on the bench last night in the FA Cup game. I did notice that, um, and and Sims did quite well for Blackpool. I've watched him a few times for Blackpool at the tail end of last season, and he played 21 games for pool and, and scored eight goals. Um, and we've been speaking to some Everton lads and, and some Manchester United um, um, sites and podcasts who have given us a bit of bit of insight into, into the kind of players that they are. But when, when you read, Jason, that Ahmed Diallo was signed for an initial 18 million pounds that could rise up to potentially 35 when you add in all the add-ons, I mean, him playing in the championship just based off of that alone sounds pretty tantalizing, doesn't it? Does I mean obviously the
3: it was a couple of days ago I think his name first kind of, uh, rumored around and it was like no it's, it's the obvious link Wayne Rooney Manchester United Derby can't pay anything Manchester United is doing Derby a favor and then I think it was twenty and I, 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 basically I just blew it out of the water I thought it was just it was just trash talk and then twenty four hours later Birmingham's City's name kind of floated in as the you know kind of the um it, they were in advance talks with him and I thought. OK, the, may, maybe Derby are in, are in for this uh, because, you know, that's another creditable championship team who he's who being linked with. Um, and then I thought, well, at the two, Birmingham, Manchester, you know, Derby, wh- where's he going to go? Well, before he even gets a choice, where's the club going to decide he's going? Birmingham City who will probably pay some of his wages, probably pay a, a loan fee, Derby County, who Andy obviously pointed out there, Derby can't do any of those. So it would literally just be a favour. And then in kind of like the last 12 hours, it's kind of come out that that deal with Birmingham's broken, you know, that's broken down. And that's about as much as we know on that one. So, I mean, it's a position that Derby scream out for. If he can come in and and do a job, then yeah, I mean, great. Yeah, We've had lone players from Manchester United before uh, that have, you know, that have worked out in that role. So I'm all I'm all for favors, and then obviously uh, the other lad from Everton. I mean, you I know we've spoken about this. You know him. You've seen him a lot more than I have, obviously for Blackpool because of the Blackpool connections and stuff. But you know, it's a goal scoring record. It's it, it's is I suppose the next level, the next step up in his in his career is going from League One to Championship. Surprising if that Blackpool probably haven't had him back. It would be my only caveat to that. I wonder, you know, why they haven't taken him back if he did such a good job for them last year, um, and if Everton were kind of reluctant to let him go to go back to Blackpool, why isn't he? Why? Why wasn't he anywhere at the beginning of, you know, at the beginning of the season? I'm presuming he's just been back at Everton, so that's a bit of a strange one. And you know, th- this conversation that we've had quite a few times and. Derby want to bring players in. They need to bring players in really, but want to bring players in. In the situation that they're in, relying on 18, 19 year olds that have never really had a, a full, you know, sniff of English football. It's a lot on their shoulders. It's a massive gamble. We know that Derby have been in the game of, of gambling with signings over the last couple of years, because of the financial situation, as we well know, some have paid off. Some haven't. I, I it kind of works in Derby's favour because like Andy pointed out, anybody that comes in, Derby aren't paying for. So if it doesn't work, does it really matter? Probably not. If we'd have you know, been signing these players on loan and we were paying a loan fee for them or paying you know, five grand a week on their wages and, and they, they become a flop, that's a massive, that's a bigger problem. Taking them as a punt when we're tied down as it is, I don't see it being a bad thing and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with either of those names coming in, or anybody else that might be in the pipeline for that, for that matter. That you know, we we don't know about any. I think any additions uh, are
1: welcome at this moment in time. Andy, B, do you have similar sentiments here? Is it is it low risk, high reward right now for Derby County in these signings? Because potentially we've seen we've seen both ends of the spectrum, right? We've seen a loan signing come in, absolutely tear it up. When we had the three loan signings on the Lampard. We've also seen lone silence like Julian Desart and Omar Mascarell, who really flattered to deceive. Um, so what, what's your take on it, Andy? I mean, it, it, for me, I'm reading there and I read Ahmed Diallo and I see the transfer fee and, and whether they put some interest in or whatever. It's a lot of money to pay for a teenager. And you sit there and you go, you know what? The, it does. It does seem kind of tantalizing. And I remember last year watching Blackpool in the playoff run. And I thought that Sims could do a job for Darby that Sims could do a job in, in whatever. Um, do you have similar sentiments, Andy? Is this is this low risk, high reward here?
4: It's a free hit, isn't it? Really, um, it's obvious that we need to add something to the attack, and obviously these two players are attackers. Diallo, I, I think, plays uh, more wide out. I don't know so much about him as I do Sims because obviously I've seen Sims like yourself playing for Blackpool, and for me he looks the more likely. Uh, one to be coming to us. Um, Diallo, you know, as you said, his transfer fee could go up to £35 million. And what you've got to think is, not the, not necessarily what the Manchester United want him to do, but he himself, um, if he wants to be pushing for a first-team place for United, you know, then surely he he's going to be wanting to play for either a lower Premier League team, or a top off the uh, championship team, um, so you, you know. <laughs> I think a lot will go down to what the player himself wants, and whoever comes in for him, you know, he's going to uh, want to play at the higher level. Uh, I may be wrong, but that's just my thoughts. Sims, I've, I've I've seen a few times, he looks very lively. It could be that spark, you know, that we're missing up front. Um, there's been several games where we've been dominant on the ball, um, on the attack, but we're just missing that, just that little bit in that final third to take advantage of our possession. And I think that's what Rooney will be looking at. Um, nothing against Andre Wisdom, but I'll be very disappointed if they, uh, the, you know, the, the new signing is Andre Wisdom.
1: Yeah, I mean, Andy, we saw, we saw the lack of Darby's cutting edge um, against Coventry in the FA Cup. So, you know, and, and goal scoring has been a problem uh, all season for the Rams. We're going to talk about Coventry, um, you know, in a few minutes as well. And, 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 and Jens, before we move on to, to matters on the field, a little bit more off the field, we, we know that there was two bids, were at least two bids lodged, one for Lee Buchanan, one for Louis Sibley. And I think Rooney likened it to showing up to a Ferrari dealership with ten pound, with a 10-pound note saying, I want to buy a car um and, and then we hear reports that you know we know that darby are in administration so this this kind of set off the efl reportedly um because how on earth can you turn down a bid for a player when you're in administration and you need cash and i know that gary rowett was one of who wanted Sibley as well and it's come out that he's he, something about him and being upset with it as well um jason i mean who, who stays and who goes at some point darby county have to sell players right to you would suspect the bids are going to keep getting higher, and at some point, somebody's going to have to sell somebody to get some money in the bank, so Derby County sustain themselves for the rest of the season. Because, as we've heard, there might not be a lot in the coffers over the next six or eight weeks in terms of running costs. I mean, at what point? At what point does Derby make this thing? And, and do you think that the EFL have a right have a, have a have a a case to be a little bit miffed if a team's in administration and they're playing hardball with transfers? There's a couple of things to that. I think
3: you look at the actual wording of of the rules of the AFL advise clubs to accept reasonable transfer offers. That can be taken into interpretation, into anything. I mean, we could say that a reasonable offer for... Louis Sibley's 50 million, we think it's reasonable because he's, he's that good of a player. That's not necessarily what the AFL would believe. Um, and let's face it, there's there's plenty behind Derby and the AFL to, uh, to to cause an argument. So yeah, this one could be a little bit difficult. Um, I was looking at the uh, review, the meeting notes from the Black and White Together group that they had with Quantuma. And there, there's a couple of bits coming out of there about this kind of thing. That there is at this moment in time, although it's not a great amount, there is money, there is still money to run the club. There is, you know, a preferred bidder is still expectant. They they, they apologise for the word imminently, uh, but there has been, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in a minute, there's been um, a couple of things that have been holding that back up. But as far as they're aware, there is still a pot to to keep Derby County afloat. And, you know, a preferred buyer is very, very close, which means that at that point they will pay this I believe it's a five million pound deposit, um, which obviously will then go towards the running of the club. And it's been announced. I think Rooney himself has confirmed that the contract negotiations with Phil Jagielka and, and Sam Baldock and you know those kind of players that can happen. He's he's obviously been allowed to bring somebody in. We know that there's no funds uh, really behind that, but you know somebody's still going to have to have the say over that. So there are still things ticking along in the background, which is nice. You know, we're not really getting too much out at the moment, but it's good to see that there are little things happening. It just means that the club's not announcing every, you know, the, the administrators aren't announcing everything every five minutes, which, you know, sometimes actually isn't, isn't necessarily a bad thing. But you're right. I think it all depends. Like I say, it's personal preference. What's an, what's an acceptable bid? Now, I believe I heard the rumour of, of Lee Buchanan was £1.5 the bid. One and a half million for Lee Buchanan, really? when God, a player is only worth what somebody's willing to pay for them, isn't he? But for me, one and a half million for an England under you know under twenty under twenty one international who's played what four games this season because he's been injured seems you know I think that's a little bit low, and I think whilst the administrators can can prove that they've got running costs covered. The EFL probably don't come down on Derby too much. I don't necessarily think the EFL will give two hoots and a holler to how much Derby pay their creditors. I don't think that's really in, in their... They've given Derby the punishment of, of the 12 points. They've given Derby other punishments. They've, they've done that. They've got Derby in a loop, you know, really at the minute. They've got, they've got them in a noose because of the rulings from going into administration. I'm not sure they'd be that interested in how much, you know, how many pence in the pound these these little people get. That's the administrators' job. They'll let the administrators do their job. So I think whilst the administrators are still coming out and saying they don't need to, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that with I'm you know, I'm gonna take that as their word. I'll take it with a pinch of salt, but at this moment in time, uh that's where I'm going with it. And I think to be honest with you, I you know, the word fire sale was was has been banded around. I never expected six Derby players to go within the first week of January. January is one of those windows. It's always going to happen in that last three or four days anyway. Um, That's just notoriously what it is. And so at this moment in time, I think you just have to, you you have to take that information at face. And until a bid's accepted and, you know, we hear that, yep, somebody's on the way, then I think we have to just take it for what it is.
1: Andy Ellis, your thoughts on your thoughts on the administration, um, and, and the current, the the use of the word imminent and everything Jason was just talking about there. I mean, we know that Kirshner's pulled out. We've heard now that there's a new American lad, um, involved, uh, Rich Riley, um, as potentially part of one of the investors of the Andy Appleby group. Um, as a Derby fan, Andy, and as somebody who's Derby history, uh, should we be worried that it's taking that that it's taking this long or is it just because the use of the word imminent and then we're all getting caught up with oh it's going to be in the next 48 hours because you know Derby county is the next right. four to 48 hours club I mean, what's your hold yeah. on this whole situation and and, and and when when the conclusion will finally be done so we don't have to be talking about finance and off the field things and and, and this that and the other thing
2: all right okay so I was fortunate enough to be involved in one of their meetings with the administrators uh, a month or so ago. I think it was, they are genuine guys. They're not messing about. They're doing the best they possibly can in the circumstances they're faced with. Um, obviously there was the Kirchner bid. They looked at that quite closely, but the finances of that bid made it um, impractical to go forward with. Cause that was all based over several years and that's not going to work when we need it now, <clears throat> so that was ruled out at that point. I think the word imminent occurred because there was only one bidder left. That's the Appleby bed, uh, and that's when <clears throat> imminent was used because they thought that was the only game left in town. That's the one we're going to go with, and we, we're fairly safe. We can name name him, which would have been last Friday, as the preferred bidder, and off we go. Everybody's happy. And it's at that point that Mike Ashley. name arrived on the scene now the administrators, as far as I'm aware haven't confirmed that's him but I think everybody knows it's him and him coming in so late in in the day uh, in terms of the process last Thursday or Friday whenever it was uh, that has has meant everything came ground to a halt very quickly because this is the way Ashley's built up his empire he always comes in last thing with a high, slightly higher bid than anybody else and blows them out of the water uh, and and runs from there. So that's why I think the imminent was used because it was imminent based on there is only one bidder left. Ashley's come in on the eve of naming that bidder, which I think if you look at the East Midlands Today TV programme, that was changed right at the last minute to... The script on that was changed right at the last minute because they had got wind of the Ashley basically coming in at that point. So then you've got the two are now in line with each other and they're going sort of head-to-head and it's a case of the administrators looking at that now in terms of weighing up which is the best one for the longer term um, survival of the club. Uh, And obviously Rich Ryder's name cropped up yesterday as well as being part of the, possibly a late entrant into the Appleby bid, although he may have been there all along but just not released his name. So um, those two are uh, neck and neck, as far well as I can see. And I think that we'll, we'll get a decision by the end of the week, possibly Thursday, maybe Friday, during the press conference for the Sheffield United game. Um, but things are moving, as far as I'm aware. Uh, as regards transfer fees, et cetera, we've already spoken about those. The stadium, as far as I'm concerned or aware, is is sorted. So there's no issue with... Uh, Mel Morrison getting involved or holding things up. That, that I believe, in, with both parties involved, is, is sorted out now. <clears throat> and ongoing finance, I believe, is also sorted out. Cause there is a mortgage for the, this MSD Holdings organisation who owned the mortgage effectively on Pride Park, and they still have a certain amount of wiggle room and money they can loan out before they start getting close to their upper limit of what they can do without you know going over it and getting getting themselves in a mess. So there's still money there that we can call on from them if we needed to. In terms of transfers for this month, uh, or, or money going forward for this month, uh, I think it's more or less covered. Um uh so I think I think we're in a fairly good place, a lot more positive than we were say two weeks ago or last week even we're in a much better place and them all and certainly from looking at the minutes from the, the meeting that was released yesterday I think we're in a lot better place um uh, to go forward by the end of this week unless anybody can tell me differently
1: and uh and and, and Andy Buckley Taylor I want to come to you because I've got a question for you and then I want to let you answer it Andy and have the first go round, and then I want Andy Ellis and Jason to kind of debated amongst yourselves and i want to and i want to hear all three of your opinion on this but there's this lawsuit andy handing over the head by the owner of middlesbrough steve gibson and the guy who owns wickham the american rob i don't i don't know how to pronounce his last name but the the wickham owner what do do you make of this andy is this just is this just gibson upset because he's lost 35 million pounds with covid19 flying behind closed doors the parachute money's run out and, you know, he's looking, it's he, he, starting, to, starting to eat into profit margins here. I mean, how, how do you make this? Because if that's a holdup, because I'm assuming that that would be some sort of holdup on the transfer or the, the takeover, because a new owner is going to come and expect it to pay money. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to go to court for something I didn't do for these two other people who want money off of something that may or may not have happened with Middlesbrough going up or Wickham staying up or whatever. How do you read this, Andy?
4: <coughs> well... I, one, obviously don't agree with the action that they're proposing to take. Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, the club, it's its the club that's being sued rather than Mel Morris. Um, you know, it's... Uh, how can I put it? They are taking action against Derby County. Mel Morris was the one with the creative accounting. Um, Derby County are there clinging on for their lives. Here we have two clubs who are, you know, appear to not really give two hoot what happens to this club, this founder member of the league club. um, All they're interested in is their pockets. Now, if we have a look at it, um, Wickham Wanderers were promoted to the Championship on the old points per game. Uh, Their season wasn't completed. I know the clubs voted um, to uh, decide the league positions that way. But at the end of the day, it's a pretty flawed system. Um, The whole season hasn't ran and uh, they were beneficiaries of this, you know, system that was brought in. Um, Middlesbrough, Steve Gibson is no stranger to creative accounting himself, although it was totally legal. Um, he did pass off tax losses from the Middlesbrough accounts um, to one of his you know, other companies. <laughs> I think there's two ways of looking at the outcome. First of all, this could set a precedent. Now, um, if you go back, if Derby County had fought the same way as Steve Gibson, we could have sued Queen's Park Rangers. Now, I know they got a hefty fine from the league, but... We've been fined by the league. Um, so you can look at it that way. It could set a precedent. Every time a team goes up that's broken financial fair play could be heading to court and uh, having to pay big money to a team that uh, hasn't been successful due to their um, overspending. Another way to look at it, the league could just sit back here and say, you know, hold on a minute. Um, Let's let Middlesbrough do this. And if Middlesbrough are successful, they take Derby to court, they get the £45 million. This could be um, an extra um, part in making sure teams do stick to uh, the limits. You know, there's the points, um, you get your points deduction, you get your fines, you get your embargoes. But if Middlesbrough are successful, the league could think to... To themselves, now these clubs are not going to want to risk another, you know, uh, hefty payout. So, you know, there's two ways of looking at it. Personally, I think all the clubs are members of the league, they're members of the division. The division has decided the punishment, and, and that's where I think it should stay at. You know, um, Wickham Wanderers, That's that one winds me up more than the Middlesbrough one, to be quite honest. Um, they were fortunate to be promoted because the rules were changed. And uh, at the end of the day, they weren't good enough to stay in the championship. Now, what I would really like to see is the actual accounts for last season. You know, were we actually um, running above the numbers last season? Uh, We won't see those accounts for, well... I think they're doing a few weeks, but obviously because we're under embargo, and um, they might be delayed, but uh, you know <laughs> we're, we've all got to sit here and uh, hope for, hope for the
1: best. Andy Ellis, do you have, do, you have, yeah. do you have similar sentiments to this? is Is Gibson doing this to try to set a precedent, or is he doing this because he throws dart the Derby County badge at night in his in his living room?
2: I, th- I think it's that. He's also very stubborn. In his business rules, because if you go back a few years, there was a Christian Zieger they had on the books that was transferred to Liverpool, and he stuck rigidly to chasing Liverpool for a, a proper transfer fee for that player for years, uh, which he eventually got through the courts. Um, so he's he's, a, he's got a reputation for being awkward to deal with and stubborn and not not willing to flinch. But my information suggests that both of these claims are classed in the speculative area of legal precedent, uh, which means if they ever did get to court, they're likely to be dismissed very, very quickly. Um, And again, looking at the notes from the the meeting that was released this morning, um, the administrators are continuing to talk to Middlesbrough and Wickham about these things to see if there is a minimum financial settlement that could be used to get them out of the way, but it's not going to stop or hold up any of the bidders. The bidders are both keen to progress and get it sorted out. And if it goes to court, they are fairly confident that um that these two guys don't have a leg to stand on basically once it gets into the legal area. Because how can you prove that Middlesbrough wanting forty five million pounds, that that they were gonna they, they they lost seven out of the last twelve games of that season that we're talking about. So all they had to do was win any one of those seven or draw three of them. And they did finish buffers anyway. And I'm sure if that had happened or if we'd got ready last season, these teams wouldn't be coming after us. Um,
1: it, so- it does seem like when you start throwing in, you know, the term of football and you talk about, you know, potential and, and, and oh, this would have happened and, and everything like that. And, and to go back to Andy Buckley-Taylor's point about, you know, Wickham went up. And I know I spoke to Zara McAnthony about that. And he felt that Peterborough were robbed because Peterborough were the hottest team in league one at the time. When it was stopped, he felt like they were going to win out and they were going to pick them for that thing anyway. But again, they agreed on a thing, right, wrong, or otherwise the votes came out. They did points per game and they came up. And for Steve Gibson to sit there, my estimation, Andy, I agree with you to sit there and say, you know, look, you lost 70, lost the last 12 games. Then you're assuming you're going to go into the playoffs. You're assuming you're going to win the playoffs. And then you're assuming you're not in the playoff final. I mean, that's a lot of assumptions Uh, in a short space of time in a game which we know it's famous and the reason we love it is because of its unpredictability you know you look at you look at Cambridge and Newcastle you know well you know you're assuming Newcastle's gonna win yeah but it didn't happen did it because that's the beauty of football and that's the beauty of of the way that things happen Jason do do you you have similar sentiments here about about this whole thing and then we can move to matters matters on the field
3: um I might have to take my professional professional hat off in a minute and give you an answer to that, but uh, yeah, um, you you talk about assumptions, Corey, and you know what you do when you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. Yes. So it's pretty obvious. I mean, there's one word that I'd like to use to describe Steve Gibson, and this is the unprofessional word, and that's an arsehole, because that's exactly <laughs> that is exactly what he, his behaviour is coming across. I think everything that Andy Ellis pointed on and, and Andy Buck as well. He's just—he's just a stubborn arsehole. Is—is is what he is. He thinks because they've been in the Premier League, he, he's—he's I—he's he's had Middlesbrough for a long time. He—he he thinks his words worth more more than it is. And in some respects, I think the EFL not coming out and going, you can't really do that, is—is is just stoking the fire. That's all it's doing. The EFL have not are not putting a stop to this. Uh, the Wickham one. They, they can go away and argue about a new car park that they've got or whatever their, their They did sell out the car park, though. We'll never <laughs> sing that at Derby Yeah. We'll never sing that. I mean, to be, to be honest with you, Corey, I, I stayed in a place called Greenford last night in London, just off the A40, and their local team's ground looks better than Wickham's. I, I'll just, just put that. Their car park's nicer as well. But, uh, no, I mean... Do they sell it out? Well, exactly. Um, I parked there for free, and there was plenty of space, so we were good. But, I mean, yeah, the Wickham one that's just sour grapes. I, I can't yeah. see how it's that's anything else. It down it's just sour grapes that they, they've yeah. seen the Middlesbrough one and they've thought, Oh yeah, we might get on. a. There we might, might be get
1: an opportunity here. Mm. We could, we can nip in and no one will notice little Wickham over
2: the middle. Yeah. The AFL the, uh, the, the 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 haven't, haven't helped themselves here by yeah. publishing two fixture lists at the beginning of the season. Yeah, they did I, not. They, they've dug themselves a big hole straight yeah. off.
3: And by the looks of it, they've just gone, not our problem and, and walked yeah. off, which, which is not fair. I mean, yeah, it's it's that chance at uh, a point that you made there, Andy. They're going to put this in. Derby haven't got the money to to take it to court, really. So what they're going to have to do is try and, and settle this in in the easiest, less, most financial damaging way. Um, and it does it does come across that they're just trying to they're just trying to you know bleed a little bit more out of out of Derby, a, a club that are obviously down on the look at the moment. It's just a it's another kick in the teeth for them. Um, But but of course, there there are rules and regulations about this. And like you say, you know, as soon as they start going down the official lines, you would think that that's going to get scrapped quite quickly, wouldn't you?
2: If it doesn't, I'm not an insolvency expert by any means. But, you know, speaking to a few people that that are in this business, there is another way of doing it that uh, means we don't pay anything or pay very little. So we have to class them as potentially football creditors. So what we do with that is we put them put them an invoice through the books at a pound. So then they go into the bucket of football creditors. We have to pay those, so we pay them a pound. Is one way of doing it. So then they just get lumped in with, you know the storage people, the cleaners, and whatever. So we owe them a pound, and we pay that. Everybody's happy. Well, they're not happy, but you know, it gets yeah. rid of the problem. <laughs>
3: yeah, second way. Of, think, second way the, of doing it. I think it. the two fingers are the better better option.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Go on. The second way of doing it is. Uh, again it's part of the exit from administration route so currently there's two ways you can exit administration one is through this CVA where all the creditors agree and then you exit administration and then that's where this <clears throat> they fall into that bucket route or you can go through a restructuring plan which basically means we don't have DARPA County anymore we create a new company and we basically start from from zero <clears throat> and then those legal claims just die with the old club and that gets rid of them Uh, So there's two ways of exiting administration, one and both of which we have a method of getting rid of both those claims. But if we do want to come come to out-of-court settlement, because that's what the, the new preferred buyer might want to do, it'd be their choice at the end of the day. If they want to pay them off at a minimum amount, it'd be their choice. But either way, we can more or less get rid of them without too much pain if we wanted to. But again, the preferred bidder, whoever takes ownership, it would be their choice as to what to do with them if we don't uh, conclude it before that point.
3: It, it, it does come across as as a, as a bit of sour grapes. And Corey, before we move on to things on the pitch, I want to ask you quickly, do you think if Derby hadn't started the season, well, I mean, I say start, we're halfway through. If Derby hadn't have got, as many points as they've accumulated so far, you know, with the points deduction, I know we're still bottom of the league, but you know, if we'd have just, you know, just really struggled and just been sat at the bottom and not picked up the points, do you think either of these teams would have been interested in, in challenging Derby on these financial matters?
1: Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Because I think the losses from COVID like Middlesbrough last books, the lost 30 million Gibson's been talking about years. I think what threw him off with Morris was, wasn't it the split when Morris went with Rams TV and voted against some EFL TV package or something like that. And he said, I'll I'll go with Rams TV or whatever. And I don't think Jason, it really matters. Like what, how many points they have on the board or where they're at in the league table. I think they'd still be coming after him because I still think like, you know, six million, six million for Wickham and 45, still 45 or 30 million or whatever it is from Gibson still that amount of money. And I think it's still a lot. And I think they see a team when they're down and I think they probably sit there and go, the administrators are in, People have got their hands in their pockets trying to get money out of them. Why not me? Why not? Why don't I feel like I can, I can soak them for a bit more and kick them when they're down a little bit more because I've had a problem with the previous owner. I've had a problem with them for years. Now they're down. I can keep kicking them because at the end of the day, even if they get relegated, you know, he's he still, he still is going to believe what he's going to believe. So I don't think the lead position really believes it, but I do think that we should just stay up just to spite him and back to everything. Yeah, but
2: on, on the same token, it shouldn't be, P- you would expect if Wickham can can appeal against this, you, you'd expect Peterborough to do the same thing, or, yeah. or whoever finished below Middlesbrough would do the same thing on, yeah. the, on the, using the same arguments. Yeah. It's, uh, a big, it's
3: a big uh, snowball, isn't it? If if anything's ever agreed or accepted, there's just a mass, there's just a mass implosion because everybody's going to be trying to sue everybody.
1: Yeah, because then I could sit there and say, "Well, Andy, you paid." You paid, uh, you know, fifty pound more in wages than me, and you finished ninth, and I finished tenth. So, is that really fair? You know what I mean? You could, you could. I know that's a ridiculous example, but you could go down to those minutiae details because obviously you get money for the league places. And I could say he spent five times as much on me in transfer fees to finish fourth, yeah. and I finished eighth. So, you know, and and then you could go that, and you could have that in the Premier League. Norwich could say I'm to Manchester City, and and you could you could have all these things. And then footballs in the courts instead of on the pitch, and then it just becomes. Because
2: where do you stop? Then do you take it on the field? Did the referee give that penalty or not? Exactly. Give a penalty and then I'm and seeing the referees
1: association and, and whatever the VAR ref, if there's VAR, which is weird in the FA Cup that there's some games that have VAR. And <laughs> I find that very bizarre. Yeah. That, that's, we're not going to get into that because that's Corey talking on a soapbox for another hour. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I've, the,
4: always, I've always been of the opinion that points should be won and lost on the field only.
1: I agree with you, Andy. You know,
4: we want, we want, we want football decided by footballers, not by accountants. No, nope, spot I on. I agree with you,
1: Andy. And, and with that, Jason, let's let's move to matters on the field. And Andy Taylor, I want to come to you first because Derby had a game at the weekend against Coventry. Um, my opinion of the game: dual-edged, really, because I'm pleased Derby are out of the cup because I'd rather them stay in the league because they're not going to win the FA Cup, and I think a cup rub takes a small squad and stretches it even thinner. As you try to squeeze in more games, you don't know what's going to happen with that. So in a way I'm pleased that Derby's out the cup, but I'm also kind of upset. And I'm also kind of disappointed because Darby played quite well against Coventry. And to be honest with you, I'm a bit angry because they should have won with the lack of, but the lack of the cutting edge, you know, shows its ugly head again, Andy Buckley Taylor, your thoughts on the FA cup third round game against Coventry.
4: Um double-edged sword. Um, I would have liked to us uh, to have gone through. Um, I thought we were the better team. But once again, that final third, that the, you know, uh, clinical finishing, which is uh, needed. Uh, but on the other side of the coin, I'm not too disappointed that we're out of the FA Cup at this time. Don't get me wrong. I love the FA Cup as a competition. And I think it's so sad how uh, it's not taken seriously by a lot of uh, People nowadays um, but it gives us a chance to concentrate on uh, trying to achieve the impossible and uh, it's also you know it's not extra games where we're going to be worrying about players getting injured and uh, our wafer fin squad getting even thinner but uh, the perform the performance you know, we got a better side. They got the goal, um, but one thing I will say: we had over three thousand fans there. But wasn't that a dreadful crowd? What was the crowd? Eight thousand. Yeah, it, yeah. Was like eight, it was like eight
1: thousand or something. And we had—I think we had most the—we the entire weigh in was filled. And you're watching it, and you're like, "Christ, there's nobody there." Thirty thousand stadium. If I watch Coventry every week. I don't think I'd be there either. <laughs>
4: Well, I, I wind them up now. I, t- I tell them it's a rugby stadium because it's it's uh, the rugby team are the uh, main uh, tenants now. But uh, yeah, mixed feelings. Uh, I'd like to have gone through, but I'm, I'm not too, you know, uh, upset about uh, going out either.
1: Andy Ellis, do you, do you feel yeah. so sure because, you know, the FA Cup is this historic thing, but let's be honest here. We know who's going to be in the FA Cup semi-finals, and they're going to be pick four of the top six clubs in the Premier League, more than likely. Yeah. Um, exactly. Your, your thoughts on the game and the performance from, from Darby? Because three minutes in, Tom Lawrence has an amazing opportunity to score, and he puts that in the back of the old onion bag, and Darby's and yeah. through the fourth round.
2: Yeah, you, you can't disagree with, with either of you two that you said before. It's double-A sword. We played well enough to win the game, but the old failings of not putting the ball in the net at one end and giving a sloppy goal away at the other end. Again, you end up with Jason Knight up against their centre-half at the back post. That shouldn't, shouldn't happen. Uh, so what's he, what's he doing there? So, you know, it's the old failings again that, that of course, there's problems for two, three, four, five, you know, however far you want to go back. It's the same issue. Uh, across to the far post, the big fella on the back post, he's going to do something. And again, missed chances at the other end. Um, for all the good runs that that Festy did down that right-hand side, the last ball was missing to find our players. You know, he got into some brilliant positions. He's ghosted past their fullback every single time but it was just that last ball that stopped that from being turned into a goal and we we could have run that, won that game quite easily but on the other hand like you said, we're out. We've got bigger things to concentrate on and again, these other teams that are still going through again, it's, it's the bookings, the suspensions the injuries that they could pick up along the way May may come back to haunt them, uh, but I'm not. I'm not too concerned. I mean, we haven't had a good cup run for a you know, long, long time, so it's not likely to be. And whenever, yeah, like it's say, not it's, a
1: tick in the teeth. It's not like, our it's, uh, season, but we're not going to mention that because that
2: was um, exactly. Like you can predict who who's going to be in the finals right now. You know, yeah, so it's it's becoming a bit of a silly competition, really, because they they don't play their first teams until they get to the semifinals anyway. But you know who the semifinals are going to be. So it's a case of how they get there.
1: And, and Jason, Andy mentioned it there, and it was the. Key, I think he was the key man for me at the weekend. It was Festy Abicelli because Fikheni Dabo, the fullback from uh, Coventry, I think I've I heard rumors that he's not even slept all week because he's just waking up with nightmares of Festy Abicelli running at him because he tried everything. He tried, oh, I pulled my groin, I can't continue. He tried cramp, he tried everything, and he couldn't stop Festy. Festy was insane up until Festy got in in and around the 18-yard box, and then who knows what's going to happen. And I kind of like Festi Abusselli because he's a very exciting player. And defenders are terrified when players run at them. And, and Darby don't have too many players that do that. And that's another point I want to discuss with you, Jason. But Festi Abusselli is essentially the Adama Troiore of Darby County. He can just run straight past you. And then his final product is kind of like, it might be good, but it also, I mean, it's either going to go in a row Z. It's going to be one or the other. And, and, and now it's kind of more in the Rose area. But how good was festival weekend, Jason? Bar his final ball,
3: yeah, I mean, everything that you everything that you want. Um, yeah, he he, uh, he he had the he had the uh, fullback on toast in the uh, a couple of times, and then I think even they they made a quick change and he decided to dart past a couple of those as well. See, that that's let's face it, that's the reason why. In all fairness, in all seriousness, if Derby were in a different position. Festi Ebersele wouldn't be near the first team at this moment in time because he's not he's not he's not the full you know he's not the finished article um and players you know scream oh yeah he's great you he can take players on that's great but if the ball goes out of play every single time or the cross doesn't beat the first man every time it, it it's it's almost it's it's pointless in, in some respects but it's clear it's clear to see where that guy you know um Festi needs to improve on his game and and if he can, you know, he he got in there a couple of times, and I was screaming. I, I managed to catch it on the TV somehow. I won't say how, um, but I managed to catch it on the TV, and I was screaming for him to put balls across, and they just they just never came. I think there was there was a couple of opportunities actually. I think one of them where Yosviak uh, got a shot away. He was in acres of space on the just inside the eighteen yard box, and he delayed the ball. Uh, which allowed um, Coventry to get kind of the defender to kind of get back in in, in place and and you know manage to manage to block Yosviak's shot. I think that that's kind of a problem with a lot of Derby's attacking play. It's a bit laboured. It's a bit slow. It's not it's not one touch. It's not first thought. It's not. We've seen it so many times. You you've just got to get that ball in the box. It's it's all well and good trying to find that perfect pass, um, but. Sometimes you've just got to, if you're in that position and you got into that position so many times, drill it hard and low across the box. You never know where it's going to go. I mean, try and pick somebody out the first couple of times, but if it's not happening, and we know Derby's forward lineup isn't fantastic at that kind of thing. You know, we haven't got that fox in the box. We haven't got that poacher all the time. Sometimes you're probably just going to be better off drilling it across and, you know, you you never know where it might end up. Um, But it's great to see from him. And I think, yeah, on, on the whole of the game, I thought Derby played well. Um, I was actually a bit disappointed that Derby didn't come out of that with, with the victory and we're in the hat for the next round. But as Andy Ellis there pointed out, Derby have got much bigger fish to fry. They've got through it. It's given a couple of players. I expected more changes in all fairness, as did um, I, yeah. but yeah. So, that, you know, there's a couple of extra players that got a couple more minutes in, you know, under the belts that needed it. Um, I think it's, it's harsh to say from one game, but I think it's clear to see that Casian Richards and uh, Ravel Morrison start on the bench on Saturday against Sheffield United because it's said that they offered a lot more coming off the bench than they did starting yesterday, on on Saturday. Um, and looks like we've got through without any suspensions, without any injuries, you know, that kind of thing. And I, I think that's probably, that is probably the better. I mean, I did see the draw, but I can't remember what it is off the top of my head now, I, but I, I don't
2: think- they're at Southampton, I think. Oh, that was it, Southampton so, yeah, away. Southampton, I mean, yeah. it's,
3: it's not exactly a, a glamour tie. Yeah, it would have made Derby a little bit of money, but we played Southampton in the Cup only a couple of years ago uh, and did quite well, uh, of course. But if it was the toss-up between the two, I, I think we, we take what we've had. We didn't disgrace ourselves. You know, a team that, what, up until... Six weeks ago, I know they made a few changes, but six weeks ago had won, won every home game that they'd got. I mean, obviously, we went to them in the league and they were absolutely flying. I mean, they have fallen a little bit away from that at the minute, but they are still a, they are still a top 10 pushing on contender this season. And I thought Dibber cope with them quite well. And, you know, we, we, can only, we can only do what we can do in that game. It, it was Okay.
1: Yeah, and I agree with you, Jason. And Andy Buckley-Taylor, I want to get, get your read on this because Jason hit on the point that I wanted to talk about there was Ravel Morrison and CKR. Obviously, they, they've been playing this super sub-impact sub kind of role now for a few weeks, and it really seems to suit them. Um, I want to get your thoughts, Andy, on two things. One, I want to get them on on CKR and on Ravel, and and you know, should they start and should they be on the bench to start the game? But the second thing that stood out for me in this match was and, and it happens very often for Darby County and it frustrates me no end is the sideways and backwards passing. There's so many players that are passive and not willing to take a risk and run out of player or, or just, you know what, there's nothing on here. I'm just going to run. And there were a couple instances where players picked a ball. They had five, five yards, six yards worth of space around them and the defender and they immediately look sideways and back. And it really, really slowed up the play. And I'm a big believer that, you know, Darby need to get on the ball, get it, get it to the attacking players, get it up, drive from midfield into the final third, give the defenders something to think about with some movement, but being so static and slow by, you know, always picking the ball up on the half turn with your backs to the other goal. You know, the midfielder, Jason Knight's always having to run back his backs to the opposition goal when he picks the ball. He's got to turn and then look for an opportunity. And they close that space down. I always feel like they should be a little bit more on the front foot. So I want to get your, your thoughts on, on that style of play and, and the roles for CKR and Ravel, which, which fits them best right now.
4: Well, first of all, CKR and Ravel, um, I agree with you, off the bench, impact players. Um, it was working, and if it's working, you don't try and fix it. I think uh, they, they were started on Saturday mainly, um, with it being an FA Cup tie and getting a few more minutes uh, under the belt. Um, but as as we've seen in the past few games, they, uh, they've been very, very effective coming off the bench. CKR, three goals in three games, I think says it all. Um, with this, uh, the sideways and backwards uh, passing. It's not just that Derby County, you know. um' oh, there is to- a
1: lot more teams, Andy, as well. Um, that 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 do this, and 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 again, you've seen a lot of football, and as as Andy Ellis, as well, as throughout the years, and and you you can go back to the baseball ground and before. You know, you like to see players. Football is an attacking game. Football is a, a game that should be played on the front foot, and it and it's really turned. The opposite of that. Now where teams where it seems like a lot of the individual players, and you know, I can only really talk about Derby because of because of the show and everything like that. But you see, other teams' players are now scared to take other players on. So then, when you get a player like Adama Troy or your festival, say, they really stand out because you're like, wow, look at that guy; he's taking people on, and really exciting the line of the crowd up.
4: I think it's mainly getting your own identity on a team, getting your favoured formation. Uh, there's a lot of managers around nowadays that are very negative. And you see a lot of this sideways, see the backways passing um, where us fans sat in the stands. would like to see players driving down the wings and putting the balls in for the striker or, uh, you know, somebody picking the ball up in midfield and, and storming through with it. Like we used to see uh, years ago, you know, uh, a muscle player like Seth Johnson, but he's it's, it's creeping more and more into the game. This, you know, <laughs> It's I, I think uh, how some teams build up their possession stats is for the simple fact they've got the ball and it's going from one side to the other, to the back, forward, sideways. And it's quite frustrating. And what really gets me is when you're, you're on the cusp of the final third of the pitch, uh, a pressure is put on the attacker and it goes back to the midfield and then back to the defence and back to the goalkeeper. It is very annoying. And, uh, 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 you know, um, unless uh, we we sign some kind of flair player, um, I think we're going to continue to see it for the rest of the season.
1: Andy Ellis, do you, yeah. do you, do you see that creeping into the game more? And the other point I want to talk to you about, Andy, is the defence, because I was kind of shocked with the team selection that both jigielka and Davis started. I definitely thought I was bang on. I definitely thought that it was going to be Stearman and Cashin to give him a bit of a rest. So I want to talk to you about the defense, Andy, in addition to the tactics. Surprised about the defensive selection. And the second point to that is Ryan Allsop had a pretty good game. He made a tremendous save late on. Is, is he, is he, has he done enough now? Has he solidified himself as Derby County's number one for the rest of the season?
2: All right, we'll start at the top there. So the stats thing, <clears throat> I think that's driven by this new breed of analytical coach or whatever you want to call them that's crept into the game. You all see them in the stands walking around the laptops. They can see all the heat maps where every player's going. And all of that is building up to this possession stats thing, which they all seem to use as being their their guiding light. You know, The more possession we have, the more chances we're going to create and all that sort of thing. And the way they do that is going backwards and forwards and sideways, etc. And I think Kaku fell into that trap as well. So many, many games it was going yes, we held the possession stats, but we didn't do anything with it. Uh, and that you know, drives me nuts basically just get the thing forward, you're not going to score a goal from your own halfway line or passing it back to our goalkeeper for 20 minutes you need to get the ball into their box get some shots on target and see what happens from there uh, how you get there, whether it's a big hoof downfield, route one type stuff to a big centre forward, or you try and be clever about it down the wings and cross it I don't know, but again this possession of stats is is, a, is nonsense really, I don't don't go with that. So second one, your defensive line up. I think if those two two old the old guys at the at the back, if if they want to play, I and players always say i prefer to play than train. So if it was a choice of playing game for ninety minutes and training for three days, then I would think they 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 take the the playing playing the game. Um, and why not? You know, if they're old enough, they're in good form. Pair of them, let them play. Um, yes, we could have used Stearman and cash in, et cetera, could have, could have come in. But then did we want to win the game or just give the fringe players a kick around for, for 90 minutes and get beaten anyway? So if we're going to go and try and win the game, you put, you put your best team out all the time. And that was our best team probably on, on the books that we have at the moment. So I don't see anything wrong with that selection. Again, you, you maybe offer it to the, the players. Do you want to play in this game? you know, you can sit it out if you wish to, but I think both of those players, they're role professionals, they would have wanted to play as opposed to being training for three days. Uh, so, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, that selection at all. And Alsup, uh for me, is the number one now. Uh, I don't think he's done anything wrong particularly. Uh, you could could argue, I think it was Sheffield United he got sent off at um, earlier in the season. But
1: no, it was Kel, I think, wasn't it? Kel...
2: Was it was it the way, other way around?
1: Yeah.
2: no right, okay. So, he, he's, he's Made very, very few mistakes. He's good on crosses. Uh, he's been around a, a bit uh, as well. So he knows, he knows the game. He's, he's a steady professional. He's good at his job. Uh, and and I, I think he's number one by, by some stretch now.
1: Yeah, he definitely seems to be more comfortable with his feet. And he seems to uh, not unsteady his back line. Uh, as, as much yeah, as- it,
2: that's part of it isn't it, your defence has to have confidence in your goalkeeper, which I think we've fallen into that trap as well before, so your big you know, your central defenders, if they're not sure what your goalkeeper's going to be doing, is he going to come for a cross, is he not going to come for a cross, is he going to punch it, is he going to try and kick it, whatever, you need to be sure what your goalkeeper's going to be doing behind you to give you confidence to go and attack the ball or stay back or whatever it might be so I think there's also that element of it as well, so him commanding his area and dictating things from the back, being more vocal perhaps, um, helps the people in front of him. And I think that our defence is as good as anything in the in the division at the moment. Um, so I think I think he's our number one.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you. I think yeah, also I think's done enough. And and like you say, if it's not broken, you don't need to fix it. Um, and, and the defence is doing well. And and that's not where. That's not where this season's going to be won and lost for Derby County. I think...
2: No, we need to get the ball at the other Darby end. they
1: are going to be finished in the final third, the attacking third for Derby. because if they can put the ball in the back of the net, they're going to win more games than than they lose. It's just if... And, and how frequent they can do that and how consistent they can, they can put the ball in the back of the net. Jason, am I missing anything else glaring? No, no, not particularly
3: on that performance, but um, I do want to ask the gents' um, opinions on... On base, looking towards the future, we do a lot of looking back with Derby. So I want to I want to take this opportunity to to look a little bit further. Um, and uh, and Andy Andy Buck, I'll go with you first. Derby County sit bottom of the championship table, eleven points um, without the points deduction. It's thirty two, just past the halfway mark. If you base that on what Derby achieved in the first twenty three games, sixty four points. Take off the points deduction. 44 points do you think that kind of uh, what I'm trying to say is are Derby in good enough form because everybody keeps saying Derby need to be in playoff form I'm not so confident that that's necessarily the case I I think you look at the division this year and you know and another question in a minute then in the next four or five games that Derby have got probably massive the next five uh games with with some of the fixtures that we've got coming up Do Derby need to be in playoff form or actually do we think that the points tally this year, looking at the teams that are down there, you know, Barnsley, uh, who are really struggling, um, you know, obviously Hull, we've got a big game coming up against them. Peterborough, we've got a big game coming up against them relatively soon. Um, Or is it still a little bit too early for Derby fans to be looking at it like that? Do we still need to be taking it, you know, periods in time and just, just ticking off the individual milestones, if you will, um, bit by bit?
4: Uh, well, I think the, uh, the next run of half a dozen games could be a good pointer. Uh, you know, uh, Stoke and Forest coming up. St- uh, Stoke, sorry. Sheffield United and uh, Forest coming up. Away at Sheffield United, um, we played well. We, we gave away a silly penalty and lost from that. Um, Forrest, we should have beaten earlier in the season, but they have had a change of manager. Uh, Chris Hutton, who was rather a negative star manager, They've brought in uh Cooper and uh, he's got them going and they they've signed two or three players also this uh this week uh, it's It's difficult because um, forty four points I think we would be stretching it for uh, a tally to stay in the division but Above us, teams are struggling. Like you say, Barnsley, they've lost the manager. Last season, there were playoffs. Now, they're just above us. I think in in the next few games, we will actually go above Barnsley. Uh, Peterborough are struggling. Hull City have picked up a bit, though, haven't they? Um, at the start of the season, they look like bankers for relegation. They've picked up. They've had some good results recently. Um, I I always take it in blocks of matches, like, you know, you're... You, block of six and think of how many points we can get in each block (laughs) it's a funny old game you will see us um, as Derby do lose to the weaker teams and do better against the teams near the top of the division I don't think we need to be in playoff form to survive but I think you can safely say we need to be in uh, top 10 form a team in, in the top 10 it is going to be difficult um, we, we've got very senior players, we've got uh, youngsters, and it is very difficult um, f- to go through a whole season for these players to continue to uh, perform miracles. Um, apart, apart from having the senior players and the inexperience of the youngsters, um, you know, 46 games might be a bit of a stretch for them. I'm an optimist, anyway, and I say we um, we're, we're going to push it all the way. Andy Elias, so you look at you know we've got what twenty is
3: it twenty two games to go? Whatever. What I look at is one of the things that we know needed to happen was Derby's away form's probably been the one that's kind of not made it a glorious start to the season, and and obviously the result against Stoke, the result against Reading that kind of that kind of changed. But looking between now and the end of the season, I look at Derby's home games, where you are obviously hoping and expecting Derby to pick up the majority of the points between now and the end of the season. Yeah. I know football's not on paper, but on paper, the games that Derby have got left at Pride Park this season, they should get to the end of the season without too many defeats, shouldn't they?
2: You would hope so. Yeah. I think with the crowd behind them, which which we are uh, and have been all season, you would hope that... Um, Yeah, we're not going to lose too many at home between now and the end. Um, And as they always used to say, if you win your home games, draw your away games, you're going to win the league. So if we go some way to winning lots of the home games, as many as possible, and then pick and maybe beat some of the teams around us away from home and draw... We've got nothing to fear from the top teams because we've been been to their away games and we've, we've drawn them. So there's nothing to fear from those. So using that confidence, and again, we're one win away from overtaking Barnsley. So if we can do that sooner, the better, that gives a whole new confidence level to, to what we're trying to achieve. The only thing in the back of my mind is depending on how we exit administration coming back to that, there could be another 15 point deduction coming. So if the creditors don't approve the way we do it, we get another 15 points off. Mm. So it could all be for nothing or, we get relegated and we start on minus fifteen next year. So there's that as well that is going to, could come into it at some point, depending on how the bidder wants to to deal with the, the administration angle.
3: Oh, cross, we, we, we won't worry about just that, that just at this moment in time. But I, <laughs> no, I, I, but I do, I do know where you're coming from. I do know where you're
2: coming from. In, in theory, and in, you know the way things are going, we could have a pretty good stab at what at the impossible thing. Yeah, but, but you we'll, just wor- worry about. You know, the AFL got to come late in the day, you know, end of May or something and say, right, here's another 15 points.
3: If we get out of that relegation zone before the end of the season, I can assure you there will be, there will be questions and asked about various <laughs> other things, I'm sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Corey, you know, as you said there, you know, Derby's own form by the looks of it coming, uh, the running is is where you're hoping Derby's going to pick up the most of the points. They've got, they've got a decent run at home. Um Obviously we've got still some tricky away ties to go to. Of course, we've got to go to Bournemouth, got to go to Forest to name to name two. And obviously the Forest one um, is is not too far away. I'm not worried
1: about Forest Jason. They're crap. Um no,
3: well, they're not. But I, ha- yeah. I have
1: to I have to say but yeah, I think it'll be a tough but um yeah, I think, you know, as Billy Davis once said, it's met in the boys' time when you get around the the Easter period and that really separates you. Um but, you know, there was an article that came out with the expert, they're going to fight, they're going to fight until they can't fight anymore until it's mathematically impossible. And that's all you can hope for from them. Um, you know, Jason, I, I like giving predictions as much as the next guy. But when you look at it, when you look at a large stretch of games in a half season, the first rule about fight club, you don't talk about fight club, you know, I can't sit here and say this team's going to make the playoffs or whatever, because, um, uh, you know, my predictions always, always fail. Um, but you know, all I want to see is continuing to what I'm seeing on the pitch right now because if Darby are playing the way that they are playing now, um you know they'll they'll give themselves the best opportunity, the best chance to do that and that's I think that's all we can ask for right now with the cards that we've been dealt. you know, we can't sit here and say Darby's gonna win out, they're gonna be on promotion form, um they're gonna sign some they're gonna sign a striker, they're gonna sign somebody, and they're gonna push them to to promotion. you know that's unrealistic, but I think the best thing that we can hope for is that Darby continue on in the vein that they're doing that they're fighting that they're scrapping, and that you know. Um, there are a few surprises and twists and turns along the way because this is the championship and there there will be twists and turns along the way. You know, there'll be games like Forrest where you think Forrest might smash us today and you, you never know what's going to happen because these teams are finicky. We've seen every team in this division and we know that Darby have competed um, with every team as much as they can. You know, they, there's, there's been what, maybe one game, maybe two games all season where Darby's been completely outclassed in the field. I'm struggling to remember, you know, I know there's been a couple, but I'm struggling to remember more than that. And so that, t- that goes to tell me that these goals are that these games are going to be tight margins. They're going to be fine margins. It's going to be these this extra one and 2% that we need to do. And if, and if Darby can get somebody in the door, to, to argue back to what we were talking about earlier in the podcast, if they can get someone in the door like, like Ellis Sims or they can get someone in the door like Diallo, a little bit of an X factor, that's all this team needs because the defense is strong. The midfield's pretty decent. And by decent, we've got Christian Bielik coming back. We've got, we've got some depth there. I think what Darby lacked, obviously, are, is width and a, and a, and a forward. Um, and maybe maybe somebody to sit in behind them as an attacking midfielder, but I'm grouping that in as an attack, uh, as an attacker. But I think that Darby, Darby have more than enough ability to, to get out of this. And I think that the, the mentality of this group has surprised me week after week and game after game of how they're continuing to continue to get kicked in the gut and other places um, and continue to, continue to thrive in this situation that they're in, the form's picked up. You look at the next five games, um, Hull and Birmingham. I mean, all these games, the thing is Jason, all these games are winnable and all these games are losable as well. When, when you look at it, you know, you can, you can have them, you can have them both ways. And so I, I just think that, you know, I just want to see Derby County continue to compete to continue to fight until it literally comes up on the, on the teletext on the screen underneath that Derby has been mathematically eliminated from the championship. And then at that point, then you start building for next season. You start throwing some more young players in. you see seeing who wants to be part of the group next year. But, you know, I, I'm just enjoying it. It's, it's a season of no expectations. We've had a lot of – we've had very high expectations at Derby County for the past several years, ever since, you know, Steve McLaren took over and the expectations kind of elevated. And it's been kind of a slow decline of expectations because you're always just disappointed. But now I think the comp- expectations are completely off the table. The players know what the job is. They know what they have to go out and do. And, you know, they won't do it every week. But as long as they continue to do it more often than not, they'll give themselves they'll give themselves a very good chance of staying in this division, because at the end of the day, Jason, we're not trying to get promoted. We're trying to finish fourth bottom. Um, and, and you know, those teams at the bottom are there for a reason. Darby is when you look at it right without the points deduction, I think Darby would be like 14th or something like that. So Darby are better technically in terms of points gained than most of that bottom third. So you would suspect that that bottom third's continue to have have poor form. There's going to be someone from the mid table that's going to lose form. I mean, look at Coventry that lost six in a row, right? So there'll be other teams that'll adjust. And all Darby have to be doing is just keep chipping away and plugging away. Every game's a six-pointer. Just keep crawling back and crawling back as much as you can. Um, And we do have the game in hand as well against Cardiff. Uh, And there's some other teams that, again, we saw with Rotherham last year, when you get games in hand, you want to have points on the board because some of these teams have had three or four games postponed. And it's going to kill them at the end of the season. We have to play three games in a week and they can't make any changes and they can't get out of it. Rotherham couldn't get out of the rot. They couldn't get a goal. They couldn't get out of the rot to to stop it last season. And that's why we stayed up. So I'm just enjoying the fact that Darby are, are competing and that they're chipping away and that this group of players week after week continues to, continues to, to thrive in, in very, very difficult circumstances. Um, And I think longer term for a lot of these players, it will set them in good stead for their careers, whether at Derby County or elsewhere, because they know what fighting's like, they know what being a back against the wall is like, and they know what it's like in tough times. So, you know, that's all I hope for it because games can go, games can go either way. But until you tell me, until I come across and we do an emergency episode about the inevitable, you know, the the drop or something like that, I'm going to fully believe that the motorbike's being revved up to jump over that fence, baby. It's happened.
3: (laughs) Well, me too, because because it's the performances happening. on the pitch, are, you know, the performances on the pitch are good enough, and I think I think that that is a obviously that is a that is a key thing. Um, guys, we, we've been at this for. Oh, I, I, I'm appreciative of everybody's time. You know, we've been we've been going on uh, Andy Ellis. You know, we had you on to talk about other things as well as um, you know. <laughs>
0: but
3: we're, we're kind of running out of time. We're gonna we're gonna run out of time uh, for tonight. So we'll definitely get you back on uh, very soon to talk about other things. Um, it's been a pleasure to to have you on this time, and uh, yeah, you're you definitely welcome on again when uh, when when you're available. Um, Andy Book, as always, thank you very much for joining in with your insights. It's been a while. Um, thank thanks for joining on, and we'll we'll catch up with you again probably in the next couple of weeks with the Forest game just being around the corner. We always get together for that one. So thank you very much. We'll see you soon.
2: Cheers, guys. Thank you.
3: Before the next segment, I want to quickly talk to you about the Fan Hub app. FanHub looking to put fans first and change the game, giving back to the real heroes of football, us, the fans. Download the app now from Apple or Google stores and get involved predicting lineups, ups checking on match days and check your fan statistics. Compete against fans of our club and other football teams. Let's help get Derby County up that leaderboard. Also, it's a great way to get media content from all creators across the FanHub family, including our stuff at the Rams Review Podcast, for Derby County. Download today and you can avoid the queue using our unique code. Contact us on social media for more details
1: and check out the FanHub app and website. Before we move on to our next segment, we are proud to announce that we are going to be partnering with two amazing organizations this year. First is going to be Flat Back Four and the second is Six Yards Out. Flat Back Four provide a wide range of club um, memorabilia with the kind of foosball four guys um, on it as well amazing clothing range they've got some awesome Derby stuff so go and check them out and we'll be doing some competition giveaways um, and various different bits and bobs throughout the season so stay tuned for that and our second partnership is going to be with the six yard out folks they do some amazing different kind of bespoke gifts uh, all kind of things Derby county they've got england mugs Derby county mugs and various different kits and you can get them customized and have old players on them um, some really amazing things you can use rams review as a a coupon code there as well and get 10% off. Really proud to be partnering with two amazing retail, retail partners. So be on the lookout for those um, and check them out. If you haven't already, Um, again, that's, that's flat back four and six yards out. Thanks guys. Enjoy the next segment.
3: So before we wrap up the episode, we've got a quick preview of the Sheffield United game from our friend, Nick at the Sheffield United way, YouTube channel, Nick, take it away.
5: Hello, my name's Nick. I'm from the Sheffield United Way YouTube channel. I'm going to be giving you my thoughts on Derby versus Sheffield United, obviously, the Sheffield United opinion. How has the season gone so far? It's been a very up and down season. More recently, it's been up, but, but before that, very, very much down. Under Slav, the football was very tough to watch at times, very slow. Very kind of sideways and backwards, having 70-80% of the possession and then conceding a goal in the last 10 minutes and not being able to score. Not having too many shots either. Like I say, it was really boring to watch, but Hecky has definitely regalvanized the squad. And right now, they're all playing for each other, which is absolutely great to see. What is the recent form like? In the last four, we've won four games, which is absolutely brilliant. We've just lost in the cup against Wolves 3-0, which was a little bit gutting, but actually four wins out of four, yes, that sounds great on paper, but we've had a huge break in fixtures with COVID cases with every team that we've played. So for instance, we've not had to call off any games in the league. However, every other team it seems in December has. We've, We've had the one on New Year's Day and we had three others in December. So, before the Wolves game, the lads hadn't played for kind of two, three weeks. So, uh, yeah, really, really difficult time for them at the moment. So hope, But hopefully we can pick off where we left off in the, uh, in the league. Obviously, four wins in four, like I said. Uh, but before that, yeah, it was, it was bad times. It really was. What are your thoughts on the manager? Paul Heckingbottom has been an absolute breath of fresh air. He's got the lads playing for him and for each other, which what seemed to be Slav's problem, really. Slav was trying to put square pegs in round holes, playing strikers out on the wings, uh, playing players completely out of position. It, it was it was tough to watch. It really was. But Heke has got them playing 3-5-2 again, which is what, what these players have been kind of used to under Chris Wilder. Now, I'm not saying that we should be playing that forever but all these players are geared towards playing three five two two wing backs getting high up the field and uh, and creating wide overloads and um, we've gone back to that and it really wasn't difficult to get the players playing for him because he just went back to how they enjoyed playing football who are your key players i've picked out four one of which isn't going to be playing, which is great for you guys. Our most dangerous player is Morgan Gibbs-White, and it has been all season. And he's injured. He's gone back to Wolves to be assessed on that injury. So unless anything miraculously happens, he won't be playing in this game, which is a massive, massive plus for Derby fans, a massive negative for the Blades. Uh, but yeah, that, that's going to be a big one that we've got to like fill that hole that Morgan Gibbs-White has kind of left with getting injured. Uh, It could be Iliman Indai. He was the start of the show against Fulham. And I think he's our most talented on-the-ball players. Um, But he doesn't start every game. He's still young. He's still raw. um, But he certainly can be a key player if he's on form. Uh, I might be biased, as David McGoldrick is my favourite player by far. But he has been a key player for us in certain games this season, creating goals, scoring goals. But his only problem is he kind of tends to miss the easier chances and scores the harder chances. Um, and, and with two big misses against Wolves uh, the weekend, let's hope that David McGoldrick is back on form for this game. And obviously, I'm going to be talking about Billy Sharp. I know you guys don't like him, uh, but Billy Sharp is a big game player and I expect him to start in this game. Um, he's not been fantastic of late. He did really, really well at the start of the season, didn't score too many, but created loads and loads of goals. Um, But in recent times, he's missed a lot of chances, but I still think that he's gonna start in this game. And uh, if we get a penalty, he's gonna slam it in the back of the net. I'm absolutely sure of it. How will you line up against the Rams tactically? We will absolutely play the 3-5-2 formation, as I've said earlier. We will be getting those fullbacks pushed up as high as possible. We will be getting midfielders into kind of like the, the wide areas, trying to create those overloads, kind of trying to get those one twos going, get into the byline and getting those crosses in. But actually, I'm saying this, but it's very, very difficult to say because we're not 100% sure who's going to be fit. We're not 100% sure who's going to be COVID-free. So we'll have to see. But that's how we will play the game. We won't be playing no 4-3-3 like Slav did like I said earlier, with strikers playing on the wings and players play out of position, we will be playing to our strengths. And obviously that's, that's how every club wants to play. So 3-5-2 uh, with getting those wired overloads going. What are your strengths? I think first of all, the unity of the team is the biggest thing for me right now. It feels like we've got our club back. It feels like the players are playing for the fans as well as the manager, as well for themselves and their teammates. Uh, which is just spectacular to watch like we all season we've been watching terrible football and and a group of players that don't really care that's what it seemed like and it seemed like Paul Heckingbottom coming in has really really got this team like I said earlier galvanized and it's great to see and again I'm just gonna be saying the same thing strengths it's not specifically one player or or, uh, a group of players it's all of them it's really the way that we play and like I said getting those one-twos going down the wing, getting some crosses into the box. Um, creating, well, we've not got the quickest team. We really haven't. But the way that we move the ball, the, the pace at which we move it, uh, the movement off the ball as well is, is great. Where can Derby hurt you? I've got to say, our defence has been a massive weakness all season and the goalkeeper. However, Wes Fodringham has come into the goal and he's been great. So the goalkeeper's not really a massive problem at the moment. Um, the defense could be we didn't play particularly well against wolves at the weekend um but they've been great as of late they really have however we've really missed ben davis in that left center back spot because ben davis has been missing for quite a while due to personal issues and we've not heard anything else other than that so jack robinson has been deputizing in his place um but he's made loads and loads of mistakes so i think if if Derby are going to get anything kind of going in this game, it has to be down that left-hand side because that is where we are weakest. And really, probably the biggest weakness that we've got is Morgan Gibbs-White not playing in this game because it definitely makes the team weaker. What are your thoughts on the Rams? Despite what's going on off the pitch, the players are doing fantastically. I thought at the start of the season or just before the start of the season... When, when I saw that you'd only got a few players and you were trying to bring in lots and lots of players on freeze and and stuff like that, I thought, oh, derby has got no chance of winning any games this season. Um, but you've been great. You've been great to watch. It's actually nice and, and refreshing to see a team that have been depleted off the pitch actually playing for the club because you've seen it so many times where players aren't getting paid and this, that and the others going on. Off, off the pitch and then the players just kind of aren't bothered but they are. they are they're obviously showing that they are and I think Derby's become a lot of fans second side in the Championship because of how they've gone about their business it's just about taking accountability and just saying like we're going to try and do as well as we can even if we finish bottom let's try and win as many games as possible and really you've put yourself in the best chance to stay up like if everybody around you keeps losing you keep winning there's a chance how do you think the game will go I think like I said earlier in the season when Derby came to Bramall Lane I thought we were going to be able to roll you over and don't get me wrong I think we we weren't particularly playing well we got lucky with a penalty and obviously put it away Um, I think this time it's going to be completely different for both sides I think Derby's going to be stronger but I think we're also going to be stronger so it's going to be a really really tough game to, to call this Mostly because we don't know who's going to be playing. Don't know if Derby's got any COVID cases. We've certainly had COVID cases as of late. We had 11 players out for the Wolves game. But we weren't too bothered about the FA Cup. We knew we'd got loads of COVID cases. Let's just hope that they're back for this game. What is your score prediction? I'm going to go positive, as I've got to be. And I'm going to go for a 2-1 Blades win. Now,
0: thanks to Nick. And that's all for this week's episode. Join us next week after when we will be reviewing the Sheffield United game, and then it's the big one, Nottingham Forest Preview. Until next time, up the Rams. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review Podcast. We would love it if you'd like to get in touch on Twitter, we're at RamsReview1. On Facebook, it's Rams Review Podcast. Or you could drop us an email: RamsReview at hotmail.com. Until next time, up the ramps. The Rams Review Podcast are proud to be part of the FanHub 100, putting fans first.